0: That's the beginning part of Triumph's Fight the Good Fight, one of the Canadian hard rock band's best songs. This is Patrick Prince, editor of Goldmine Magazine, and welcome to the Goldmine Magazine podcast. This episode, we'll be talking to Triumph's original bassist and keyboardist, Mike Levine. Mike will talk about Triumph's release of classics. That's uh, the best of release, which includes songs like We Just Heard, Fight the Good Fight, and it's very representative of the energetic sound and positive message in Triumph's lyrics and what would soon become their hits and what made Triumph such a successful band. Uh, The album Classics has been released on 2LP 180 gram vinyl, which is silver, and it's quite a collectible. Even if you have the songs already for the music collector to put on their shelf, and just have it as a a collectible with that silver vinyl. We'll be right back with Mike after this message.
1: Hey, I'm Ronald Webb, and this is
0: Patrick Prince. And together we host the Goldmine Radio Hour, the show that features the latest issue of Goldmine, the
1: Music Collector's Magazine. Tune in Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on CygnusRadio.com.
0: Hey, Mike, how are you? I'm doing fine. How about yourself? Good, good. You re-released Classics, and it's on uh, double vinyl pressed on 180 gram. And I, I like the yeah. silver. Yeah,
2: it looks cool,
0: huh? Very classy, man. I like it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it took, it took a while to put together, and uh, but, but it actually was all done in a very short period of time when it was, kind of like, well, you know, this is like the anniversary of when Classics was initially released, and I went, yeah, right, I forgot about that part.
0: Do you, is it weird that, uh, did you think that when it first came out that it would ever be re-released as vinyl?
2: <laughs> is that kind of weird? <laughs> that's that's a very good point, you know, because it did come out on vinyl. It did. Uh, yeah, originally yeah. it came out on vinyl in yeah, yeah. 1989. Yeah. It was a, like, one of those uh, contractual commitment albums.
0: Ah. Oh.
2: That, that uh, M, you know, because we were signed to MCA and we were leaving, so to speak. And so they got to put out a Greatest Hits, and it was the cheapest cheapest package they could possibly do. You know, you opened up the CD, it, it didn't even say it was in the band, you know, on the. <laughs> yeah. Like, a, what, like
0: an know, MP3 yeah there's yeah, pretty much a bunch of mp3s right well now it's finally getting what it deserves
2: <laughs> yeah yeah well that's uh, that makes me feel good. it sounds really good. I mean I'm really really happy with the package and, uh, and the, uh, the, uh, the audio quality of the of the the discs and the look of it and all that. I mean you know it could have gone totally overboard but it would never get released. right. <laughs> it everything really takes so much time to get done.
0: And never surrenders, uh I think it's only featured as a live track here, yeah, I'm looking at it now, yeah, yeah. at the Yuzz festival, which is a good which is a good uh, pick right there
2: yeah i th- I think so too i mean we 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 played awfully good that day, I mean it was uh you know what you remember about the band it was you know we didn't we never really played in daylight, so it, <laughs> It was uh, it was kind of fun to do because <laughs> the pressure was on to really tear the place apart, and we and we did. We played really good.
0: Well, the younger generation wouldn't wouldn't know, but it was yeah. quite a big event.
2: Yeah, it was enormous. I, I don't think there'll ever be one like that again. You know, where there was strictly hard rock bands or metal bands or whatever you wanted to call everybody, but it was you know everybody was was huge ticket sellers. They're all you know headliners. Right. So for you know, crew, crew and Quiet Riot weren't quite there yet. They were still kind of L.A. bands, right? As I as I recall. But the, you know, the rest of the bill was like sh- everybody was selling out arenas.
0: Can you talk about the Fan Fest a little bit?
2: Sure, sure. That was um, put together by uh, Banger Films, who's doing the, the feature documentary on oh, the band. Oh, okay. And, and you know as you you probably aware banger is like
0: the gold standard of of of, of the companies that make rock talks right
2: it's fabulous you know so um they wanted to do something to aggregate <laughs> um you know triumph fans in one place where they could actually you know talk to them um you know shoot them do, do whatever kind of thing and uh They came to us with the idea, and we said, "Yeah, if you want to do it, go right ahead." Mm. (laughs) You know, we're we're not involved. If you screw it up, it's Banger's fault, not Triumph's fault, (laughs) (laughs) because it was it was a a pretty major thing. That that, uh, you know, that's out of I don't know. They, I think they got somewhere in the area of twenty five hundred hard responses. You know, Mm. they got thousands of of like soft ones, but uh, uh, hard responses like "I have to be there" type. Yeah, yeah. Response, and uh, they said, "Well, you got to earn your way in." So that the, the 150 people that the, the, that send us the, uh, the the best triumph stories um, are the ones that get to come.
0: What were some of the best triumph stories? I'm curious. <laughs> oh
2: God! I, you know what? I, I we weren't involved in the selection. Oh no. Okay. There, no, no, it was all, all banger. Like we just laid out. We said, "Hey, we'll participate." You know, it was going to be. Um, you know, they wanted to set up this room. We, we used a bunch of Metalworks warehousing to to set up um, a, a memorabilia room, which Banger went through all our archives and picked out wow. stuff that I've never seen before. You know, or I don't certainly don't remember ever seeing. And you know, going right right back to the beginning of the band and right through till the, you know the actual event itself. But the fans went went apeshit. I, like I went apeshit. shit. I just went, wow, this is really cool, <laughs> and uh, apparently the fans loved it. And there was going to be q and A, uh, and and Banger was going to show a little bit. They put together, you know, a couple of minutes of footage from the dock, and that they that they had already shot. And um, then we decided that you know if the fans are coming, like they were coming from Brazil and Hawaii, yeah. you, know, play, you know, all over the place, and said, you know, they're they're, they're coming here on their own time. Um, you know, they're expecting nothing. We never mentioned that we were going to play, but we said, "Screw it, let's play." So we started to rehearse and went. Maybe this is not such a good idea. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's been kind of like eleven years since we had played together, and uh, but you know, we got we got hot and said, "Okay, we can do it." And we put together. I mean, I can't really give away too much, but there was some. There's a really, really, a bunch of really, really cool moments. Because um, you know, nobody had any idea we were going to play.
0: Isn't so, it amazing so that, that fans seem to know more about you than you know about yourself?
2: <laughs> oh, God. I mean, you know, I honestly had never experienced anything quite like that.
0: Yeah.
2: You know, even in, the, you know, the, in Triumph's heyday, um, you didn't realize how dedicated and how, quote-unquote, fanatical... Some yeah. of the fans get, you know. So I, I just went, you know, because yeah, I was a day there, I said this thing's not going to work, you know. It's going to be a joke, and uh, I don't want to be involved, kind of thing. But it was sensational. It was well put together. There's a ton of moving parts that if if one screwed up, it would have been not very pretty, you know. So, yeah. but, but everything went well. It, it there. There
0: wasn't any spinal tap moments at all. So well your music is timeless that's why i think it it lasts people remember it and fans stick with you you know what i mean yeah yeah when you said memorabilia i mean like like i said the fans collect stuff that you have forgotten about <laughs> and then, then you look at it and say wow yeah that was a part of my life
2: yeah that's amazing like you know early early logos and yeah and- uh, you know stuff we printed posters, and I went, "Wow, I forgot! I don't even remember that."
0: Yeah, and and then you the, had a Walk of Fame induction too, right?
2: Yeah, that was just this past Saturday. Wow, um, you know, so that was pretty cool. And, and the way they do it up here in Canada is um, they take from uh, you know various uh, se- segments of the, of the public, so you know, entrepreneurs and and entertainment. And uh, you know, sports, mm. that kind of thing. So there there's nine, I think nine nine inductees this year. Out of there's been a total of hundred and a little bit so far. And you got you 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 get a star down on King Street here in Toronto. And uh, but it was a great event. The event itself, you know, came off pretty well. And we were you know we were kind of the closer, the headliner of the whole thing. And you're aware of Gallon. He's a lead singer in Sticks. Yep. Yeah. So Gowan put together, uh, unbeknownst to us, a tri- a tribute band hmm. um, of some really good players, and they and they did they closed the show after we got our award and did our quick photos and our speeches and stuff. All of a sudden, there's this band out there <laughs> playing <laughs> to Gowan because he can you know he can sing like Rick sang. Um, but it just killed it. You know, I mean, it was like, the lighting was sensational. It was like a nine-piece band with background chickies, you know, from the Arquettes, called, from a band called the Arquettes up here. And uh, it was, the uh, pyro, the whole nine yards, I mean, it was spectacular, four mm. and a half minutes of uh, three, you know, a medley of three songs. And we just went,
0: wow, This is the whole place went apeshit. So it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I loved Toronto when I went up there to visit. I think it's a great city. Yeah.
2: Got our issues, like all other big cities, now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of course, <laughs> Nothing, nothing's perfect, including right. the
0: weather. <laughs> so, speaking of Canada, how hard was it back then, in the late seventies, for a Canadian band, especially a hard rock band, to crack the American market? Was it well, harder was because hard. you were Canadian?
2: Uh, no, I don't think that had anything to do with it. You know, actually, it might have been a little easier
0: because we were Canadian. Oh, because uh, it added a, added something to. Um, People are more curious about uh, Canadian yeah, bands.
2: Yeah, right. And you know, some of our predecessors, you know, Rush, for example. Right. You know, they were they were a couple or three years ahead of us. Yeah. Uh, but they had you know they had broke a lot of ground in America by the time we started even. Um, so uh, you know, three piece bands from uh, Canada seem to be um, okay in America. But in Canada, both Russia and us, we we had always had problems, you know, in Canada because radio wasn't really not um, hard rock friendly mm. at, at that point in time. So when we put our first album out in '76, I guess, yep, um, it was tough to get any airplay on it um, because there were really not many FM quote unquote rock stations. You know, everything was pretty much top forty, and certainly, you know. It, it was very
0: difficult to get space on those stations. Hence trying um, to go to America. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah,
2: and, you know, America is America. I mean, Canada's 5% of the the world, right? So America was 45%. It's it's just had to go there.
0: (laughs) Do you think it's easier for Canadian bands now to crack... uh, American market to go into America and succeed.
2: Yeah, I th- I think um, you know uh, it, it, there are not with the advent of the internet, etc. You yep. know, and streaming and that. It's, I don't think borders are borders are totally meaningless. True. You know, if you look at yeah, you know, you look at all the um, kind of popish singers the Shawn et cetera, et cetera, that Shawn Mendes is, etc., etc. That Drake, they, they, and rap guys, they dominate America. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in a lot of ways. So To the point where people fun. go
0: people go, They're Canadian?
2: You know yeah, right. they don't know, right? <laughs> like there's no Canadian you know, we used to wear Canadian flags when we played the South so nobody'd shoot at us. Right. <laughs> you know, a bunch of long hairs walking into a diner in Mississippi on a back road, you know. Uh uh-uh. uh <laughs> <laughs> Carry the carry the Canadian flag or you're in big trouble, pal. <laughs>
0: Well, you were like the second wave after Rush. Like you said, you were three or four years behind, so it wasn't like you were competing with them or anything. Did you Did you get along well with them?
2: Um, you know, we didn't really know each other. Really? Uh, a, yeah. I mean, we used to run into each other in airports. <laughs> what? Think, really? Like, waiting for planes, yeah. Because we, we'd be on the road, they'd be on the road. And, you know, so you never really were home at the same time. Or in Toronto. <laughs> Uh, you know, like I'm, I'm more friendly now, in Gil and Rick with you know Alex Leipson than we were back, way back when. You know, <laughs> so it's, uh, and you know the uh, the, the Rush's manager was a friend of ours, Ray Daniels, and, and Ray used to you know always threaten the these guys that hey, those guys in Triumph are coming after you, you better shape up, write better songs, you know, play better shows. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, the, gr- the great thing about Triumph is that a lot of hard rock bands, you know, were writing lyrics back then about Dungeons and Dragons and the world coming to an end. Triumph always seemed to be, a lot of their songs had positive reinforcement in the lyrics. I mean, I think about magic power, especially using the power of music to, to heal and persevere. It's
2: like we were the band in white, as Rick, I, <laughs> we <were laughs> doing, we were, but we were doing an interview talking about the Us Festival and Rick said, like, well, you know, all those other bands, they came out in black leathers and 110 degree heat <laughs> and motorcycles, and we came out dressed in white, you know, we're the band <laughs> in white. Every, everybody else was, you know, hard, you know uh, like you said, with the lyric, lyrical content, right. all about uh, hell and damnation and that. And we were the ones that were saying, hey, it's a good universe, and you can have a good time without... um without having to wear black leather. you know.
0: So right. We, well, the, it was... Uh, you had. A, I thought about that, too, watching it. I was thinking about Rob Halford. He must be dying in the, that black leather jacket. <laughs>
2: oh, man, I don't know how they did it. The yeah. Scorps, I mean, they yeah. were all leathered
0: up. And, and they are and energetic the as all, hell, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. And,
2: you know, Van Halen, you know, they were never really leathered. Just they were okay, but...
0: But the band... <laughs> You know the band always has uh, speaking about the positivity of the band. You guys have always been involved in good causes, charity, etc. So I mean, throughout your career, right?
2: Oh yeah, I mean we're always in, when even even when we weren't in the position to give back a little, we did. You know? Yeah. Because it's it's important that um, uh, that you you know you help out a other other musicians, but b people in need if you can. And, uh, you know, and, and support charities
0: that do good work, that just don't piss away the money on overhead, you know, on fat salaries. Right. Which can happen, unfortunately.
2: Well, it does, it does happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Now, I was always glad that Rick Emmett came back, uh, became more involved. You know, every, you know, there was a time when he resisted performing with Triumph or getting involved and. It seems like he's more involved now, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, with that the, the, the hatchet that was flying around for all those years, yeah, um, you know, got buried back in two thousand eight.
0: Yeah, that's uh, great.
2: And you know, we're like uh, we're brothers, you know. And, yeah, uh, it, it really feels great that you know I, I don't think I could have gone on much longer without uh, with, without being friendly, you know. Without right. being, I mean, we we're we we're blood brothers for fifteen years, pretty much. you know? Yeah it's hard to, hard to forget and uh, you know so Gil and I were extremely extremely over the top when Rick kind of got back in the fold and we were able to talk and do things together and go for dinners and laugh I mean it took a while to get everything done but um, you know when we went to Sweden you know and played over there it was uh, it was really cool and we were going to tour back then too and in 08, 09 then the recession hit and we said uh uh-uh. uh Bad
0: idea. Well, you know, it's brothers is a good way of looking at it because you know brothers fight, but they're you know they're so close that they always seem to come back to each other. There's a bond there that you can't break.
2: Yeah, it's it's funny because in the uh, the video pack they ran on the band for um, for the Walk of Fame Mm -hmm. because that's coming out as a TV show too. But uh, you know, there's a quote from Gil. He says, "You know, we're the three musketeers." And it's a very exclusive club. there's only three memberships, and no one else is allowed in, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I noticed that that th- there was never another you've had a lot of session men, and you did have some people tour with you, but it was always you three,
2: yeah, which was kind of cool too when we played with for the for the at the fan fest there was three you know it's a three piece band. which... My son came up and asked me. He says, "When was the last time you guys actually played three piece? Mm-hmm. You know, with anybody without anybody else?" And I went, "You know, could have been the US Festival. Could have been the last time huh. that we played three piece. Because wow. after that, we had Rick, Rick Sanders out with us, right, for a couple for a couple of tours, right." And so,
0: and I always think of uh, another reason why I'm glad Rick is back is because you know you think of Rick's Flying V. That was kind of like uh when you think of triumph, you think of that flying v it was to me it was almost like a symbol of the band
2: it was I mean that was the Allied forces cover right yeah and, and it was uh you know, and that was a huge album, and uh it just that image was so cool and, you know' cause we decided after I think progressions of power, never again would we put our faces on the cover of an album. <laughs> <laughs> Or, or allow a record company to talk us into it. <laughs> so we went image-wise image, image wise after that. So if you think about it, uh, Allied Forces with the, uh, yep. the the Flying V and then Never Surrender with uh, whatever you want to call that guy on the cover of that. The uh, I don't know what he was. He was like a tiger with wings and shit.
0: <laughs> well, the Flying uh, V helped. That was like a hip guitar then. You know, when you guys... Yes, late 70s, early 80s. That was a hip image. It was seen as a cool guitar to have, and it stuck with people. And it was almost like to the point where you didn't expect Rick to come out with anything else. You had to have that flying V. (laughs) (laughs) Right?
2: Oh, for sure. And I think he used that all the way through. Yeah. From then on. Well, at least for part of the show.
0: Now you're you're real you're a multi-instrumentalist, not just bassist or keyboardist, but I remember you saying as a bassist you didn't want to be in the background like a lot of bassists in rock groups. <laughs> you, you you didn't like that. You wanted to be involved. Did
2: I say that? Yeah.
0: I got a quote from you saying <laughs> <laughs> did you Okay. F- did you feel that was true?
2: Um you know it's a three piece band you can't lay in the
0: background yeah, you can you can't hide
2: you know you can't hide so you might as well go and have fun right <laughs>
0: that's
2: what that's what Rick and I did you know we were it was we had nothing we had a ton of stage to work with and so you you had to use it and uh you know Rick more than me because he was a lot more athletic than I was
0: <laughs> yes did you ever did you ever ever have a desire to sing
2: um besides backup yeah to but it, didn't, it didn't work out very well <laughs>
0: Why is that?
2: I can't sing. <laughs> I can, you know, I I'm lucky to hit a good background part.
0: But you did I mean, backing you know, vocals, it, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, but at one point, um, uh our our front of house sound mixer, yeah, Harry came backstage and told me, you know, Mikey, that um uh you know, your voice is in the monitors. I said, "Yeah, I know, it sounds great." He said, "But I don't use it up front."
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> so what's next for Triumph now will you promote this the the hits from classics will you how will you promote it are you going to tour it all or
2: come back and uh, no. play
0: some gigs
2: no we, no we can't do it we can't do it you know it, yeah. it was so hard for us to really you know put three songs together for the fan festival and uh, and then pull it off we were with the three of us were exhausted after after three songs <laughs> I mean, we'd have to go into a a Mick Jagger type routine, you know, which (laughs) I envy that guy. You know, (laughs) he kills me. But uh, yeah, it would be rough. I mean, we all got physical physical limitations now because of age. And uh, you know, Rick's got a few issues. Gil has issues. I have some issues. And um, so, I don't think that's going to happen. Although I'll tell you, we did have fun.
0: Yes, It uh, it was quite the experience. But a one-off, you know, like, or even a few shows in New York, a few shows in LA. I just th- uh, think that would be great.
2: I think it'd be great too, but I don't know if we can do them. Yeah, you know, it's with you, Pat. Yeah.
0: Well, keep up hope.
2: But yeah, but yeah, we, you know, you you just never know. Like I never thought we'd play at the Fan Fest, right? Right. So there you go. We proved we could do it, and we were we played up pretty, pretty, pretty good. I'll tell you, we were hot. Yeah. But the, you know the the fans made it happen. I mean, they were like the emotion that was there. You yeah, you feed off of up, it. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was like just they were sitting there watching a piece of the documentary, and all of a sudden the curtain drops and we're playing. Whew, look out! I mean, the chairs <laughs> went flying. They rushed the stage. They were bawling. It was it was incredibly emotional.
0: That is, there's no other feeling like it. I'm sure. Well, th- thanks for taking the time um, to talk. And uh, I, I can't wait to get my uh, classics, my silver 180 gram two two albums. That's it's it's going to be fun to listen to that.
2: Yeah, that was it was actually a lot of fun to sequence um, to put together because. You know, they we jammed uh, or they jammed twelve songs or eleven songs or whatever it was on a piece of vinyl. So there was really yeah. no level. But you know, to sequence it and get you know like eighteen minutes or nineteen minutes, which is optimal for 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 getting level, yeah. Um, on a on on a piece of vinyl to 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 make that work, you know, I have to resequence the songs from the original one, but they're all there. It's just they're just slightly different orders to make the record sound that much better.
0: See when it when it first came out, I was never into uh, greatest hits albums back then, but now you get a greatest hits album and it's got a lot of extras. It's got photographs. It's got a gatefold. It's got silver vinyl. You know, yeah. it's a lot more fun.
2: Oh, for sure. You know, and it's and I think the um, you know we we used to call it uh, the the older brother syndrome. You know, we're wondering how do you, how do you keep getting new fans? Well, it's the older brother that's playing the
0: music exactly.
2: And the, and the younger brother gets into it now you got parents and kids and then yeah. so you're gonna have grandparents and grandchildren you know that they keep turning each other on to, to their music and um, you know the records still still sell well and uh, um, you know vinyl is uh, you know it's a collector's item too it like is. They, it's, not, it's it's not uh, you know you're gonna scratch it up dropping needles here and there on it but uh, you know, do you a lot get of people a- leave it in the shrink wrap.
0: Do you get a lot, well, do you get a download code with it?
2: Um, that's a good question.
0: Because that's always good, you know, you maybe play it a couple yeah. times, then you get a download code, and then you keep I, it as a collectible.
2: You know what, I haven't I haven't seen a, well, I haven't looked inside a finished one. I think there, we talked, I know we talked about it. Right. But I can't, I can't swear to it now. <laughs> I'll have to go back and look. Because we really haven't, um, you know. Like, again, I haven't looked at it. I mean, we got, uh, you know, test pressings and and, right. and some copies and signed them, and we actually sold them at the fan fest for um, for you know all the, all the merch money that that came in. We sold a lot. Right. You know, it goes to charity, and uh, so it's like I never we signed them. And I never really looked at it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I bet you with like the yeah. greatest hits. It's um, I bet you there's a download.
2: Yeah, Which there, is good. There, 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 there must be. I know yeah. that
0: the, the record company said they were, were going to do that because so. that's the best of both worlds. You know, you can sure. play it a couple times on your turntable, then keep it as a collectible, and then you have the download to playing in the car.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, I, you know, I thought I. I remember having a talk with uh, the girl at the record company that was putting it together, and I said, you know, it's um, if we're going to, you know, do anything on the. Uh, uh, on on the download part with it, whether it's uh, HD tracks or something, it's it, you know it's got to be high res, you because know, it's just it'll uh, you know I hate the sound of, of uh, you know the, the MP3 squashing and Spotify and that. Yeah. When they go high res, that would that to me will be uh, an indication of, of where the market's going if, if all that works. Mm-hmm. And you know the fans. You know, I noticed that uh, I was reading something in the uh, the business section of the paper a year ago, and that there was a huge uptick at electronic stores selling turntables and high end um, uh, speakers yep. and systems. You know, so I think as the millennials get start to family up, they're gonna, they're going to put stereos in their homes.
0: I think so too. <laughs> as opposed to sitting at the dinner table with an iPhone and uh, and headphones on and not talking to each other. <laughs> You're right. You're absolutely right. The iPhone gives you a good excuse not to talk to mom and dad at the dinner table,
2: or anybody else for that matter. Nobody talks on the phone anymore. But when
0: you no, and when you get your own home and settle down a little, you want a room for a nice stereo system. You don't have to worry about your parents saying, "Turn it down."
2: Right, all that stuff. Yeah. Well, good luck with the new release. Okay. Thanks very much. I can't
0: wait to get mine. Thanks, Mike.
2: Okay, good. <laughs> thanks for your support at Goldmine,
0: too. Really oh, thanks. No problem. Thanks, Mike. Listeners, if you get a chance, get the Triumph release, Classics, which has been released now on 2LP, 180-gram silver vinyl. Also, pick up the latest issue of Goldmine at Select, Barnes & Noble, and Books a million stores, or go to goldminemag.com. You can subscribe there at 68% off the cover price and get other exclusive content there online. Thanks, listeners. We'll catch you next time on the Goldmine Podcast.
1: It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football.